This week, we watched the soft Ghostbusters remake Evolution. And along the way, we ask, has David Duchovny always been this deadpan? Did Ivan Reitman just phone it in for the entire production? And does Evolution really work this way? This is Force-Fed Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to an evolving edition of the Force-Fed Sci-Fi Podcast. Wow. I am one of your hosts, Chris Rupp, and I am joined by the intrepid scientist and discoverer, <laughs> Dr. Sean Michael Culp. He's not actually a doctor, folks. Not yet. One day. You're not going to be. <laughs> How do you know, man? I can get my PhD. Are you studying for it now? No, but it's... There you yeah, go, Dude, I've, if I live to 80, I still got like 60, well, 50 years to go. If if I get my master's, though, you have to call me Master Culp. Not doing it. Dude. <laughs> master. Sean. Sure. <laughs> it won't happen, folks. All right, guy. So let's break down this uh, evolutionary uh, film that was not revolutionary or evolutionary. Yes, we're discussing the 2001... Uh, bunk science film evolution directed by ivan reitman yeah the you may have heard of reitman from like stripes and animal house and all those fun classic cult classic films from the 80s yeah and 90s but this one is a doozy why don't you uh break down mr synopsis man all right you love it i do all right so after a mysterious meteorite crashes in the arizona desert Two local scientists investigate the incident and discover that aliens have landed in their backyard and have begun evolving into more complex creatures after only a short period of time. Meanwhile, the military has taken over the crash site, and our two scientists must team up with a military investigator and a wannabe firefighter to destroy the aliens before they take over the world. Wow, sounds kind of epic. Yeah, and then it's not the movie we got. No, no, no. It sounds better on a piece of paper. Absolutely. You know, you, you have to have that, because if it didn't sound great on paper, it wouldn't have been made. Mm, true. All right, so we have the director, Ivan Reitman, yes. as you said. Prior to this, most well-known for doing Animal House, Meatballs, mm -hmm. Stripes, Ghostbusters, Twins, uh, Junior, Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, yeah, which we don't need to talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was trying to make Ghostbusters 3 for so long. Then it didn't happen, and then we got the female one. Oh, is that on our list? No, it's not on no, the list. No, it's not on our list. We're not going to watch it. No. Come on, <laughs> no. man. It's part of the franchise, bro. Mm, we'll see. All right. All right. Uh, also, I found out the creature design and alien effects were done by Phil Tippett. Hey, that sounds familiar. He was the original creature effects man on Jurassic Park until he was replaced by computers. Interesting. So this is eight years past yeah. Jurassic Park, and this is what we got. Yeah. I mean, he made the transition into computer graphics, and he's still gotcha. He's still in the visual effects community as like a creature consultant. Okay, that's funny. Creature consultant. <laughs> so what did they do? Like call him into the office? So we made these creatures. What do you think, Phil? Well, they probably just asked him to design the creatures since Stan Winston wasn't available. Yeah, right. He's our Plan B. Yeah. <laughs> and then the film is starring uh, David Duchovny. Probably most well known for the X Files. Mm -hmm. um, prior to uh, this film, yeah, Orlando Jones, 
who uh, more of a comedic actor and previously yeah. starred in the football film The Replacements. Yes, I haven't seen that. So funny. People say it's great. I don't know why I haven't seen it. Is that uh, is that the one with Keanu Reeves? In it, it is. Yeah, and Hugh, or not, uh, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Oh, I got to see it. And uh, okay. John Favreau as the insane linebacker. John Favreau? John Favreau's in it, yeah. Oh, I think that's a good, because was he still a big guy back then? Yeah, he was uh, th- before he got uh, a bit too chunky. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also starring the uh, the great and legendary Julianne Moore. Yeah, okay. I thought you were going to say Sean William Scott. No. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking well, about? Prior to this, Julianne Moore did, uh, she did Boogie Nights. Mangolia, Mag- uh, Magnolia, Magnolia. I just watched that. <laughs> she, yeah. Then I did uh, the Jurassic Park sequel mm-hmm. a couple years prior to this, and has since gone on to be nominated for several Academy Awards. Recently, She's won one great. for Still Alice, which is a yeah. an emotional wreck of a film for me. <laughs> oh yeah, made you weep. Well, it's about how she is dealing with early onset Alzheimer's. Oh, and there's a wow. history of neurological disease in my family. Okay. So for me, it just hits home and just gets me right in the feels every single time. Okay. So wow. I, I I refrain from watching it unless I need a good solid cry for about a half hour. <laughs> Understood. That's like the Green Mile for me. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, she's incredible. And then we do have Sean William Scott from, better known from uh, American Pie. American Pie and has done several other goofball. You said like uh, Goon? He's done Goon. He did the rundown with The Rock uh, a few, uh, long time ago. Oh, I think I may have yeah, seen Yeah, that was that. the uh, action adventure yeah. comedy. Dwayne John- One of Dwayne Johnson's original leading roles. <laughs> um, also starring uh, Ted Levine from- uh, Silence of the Lamb, uh, <laughs> put the lotion in the basket fame. And more recently, Jurassic World. Yeah, where he's the the moron hunter who was pulling dinosaur teeth <laughs> and then got eaten by the Indoraptor, thankfully. God. And then we got a Ty Burrell in yeah. this film from, uh, what's that? TV? Modern Family. Modern Family, when he was just starting out. And the, uh, I guess we could say legendary Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. He makes an appearance. And a bit of a stunt cast here. Also, there's includes several appearances from actors such as uh, Ethan Suplee, who's uh, well known from Remember the Titans. Oh, uh, Kyle Gass, huh. one half of uh, the rock band Tenacious D. That's right. Uh, Sarah Silverman is in this as a. Uh, David Duchovny's ex-girlfriend who has a meltdown in front of, <laughs> in the crowded restaurant. I feel like that's her always her role. If you want someone to melt down, you just call Sarah Silverman, and, and if she'll you just dominate it. Pay close attention during the field trip at the meteor site. You see John Cho from the new Star Trek series. Oh, that, yes, and that's Harold right. I saw him. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. So there's a bunch of people in this that. Uh, yeah, who would have thought we starting would, out? Who would have thought we'd get a, such a mediocre film from a stellar cast like this? Wait, who was Kyle Gass in this film? I think he was the doctor who pulled the um, the mosquito-looking thing out of Orlando Jones' butthole. Okay, because Kyle Gass, I'm trying to think, he's what? a pretty distinct look. Yeah, I mean, he's a very hefty man. Yeah, I, he's bald. I'm pretty sure he was that doctor who pulled the the bug out of the butt. Okay. So yeah, yeah that's it's got uh, a lineup, man. Yeah, heck of a lineup so far. And then uh, yeah, we uh, that's what made up the budget. <laughs> the Eighty million. Eighty million dollar budget. This was made on, and uh, I I think it mostly went towards Julian Moore's salary and the production <laughs> design of the the Meteor Cave because David Duchovny and Ivan Reitman are just phoning it in the entire time. Oh, pff, the whole time. No, no, no. Well, I couldn't find a ton of notes on pre-production, and I even watched the um, the special feature making of documentary. 
And how was that? It didn't provide much insight. It was just Orlando Jones acting like an idiot around set and trying to interview people. <laughs> what? I mean, there were some brief snippets they were talking about. Um, they were talking about the like the creature design with Phil Tippett, and mm-hmm. that's it, really. <laughs> okay. Well, I found on, I guess, entertainment.com, because this was like the only article I could find from 2001, and they talked about how this film went under a lot of writing changes from like David Duchovny... Orlando Jones, Julian Moore, they wanted to change and make it more hilarious because they didn't think the film was funny enough. So, like, they made Julian Moore fall down and be like a klutz throughout this film. She wanted to, I guess. That was her choice. I don't know why. I have no idea why. Maybe because they gave her so much money. She said, you know what? I'm just going to ham it up. Well, those moments were really a mistake because, they yes, were. she falls and she's clumsy and a klutz, but those moments become sexualized yeah. in this very awkward way. You know, she's wearing a garter belt and then her head falls into Wayne's lap and, and it's just, no, like you ruin these moments that are supposed to be endearing for her character by making them sexual. They were just, they did not make sense at all. Like falling out of the fire truck when they get off. I mean, it's just, I didn't understand it. I'm like, why? Julie Moore, you're so much smarter than this. Maybe they gave her, I don't know, because- You've heard films um, such as Tropic Thunder, you know, with Tom Cruise. He wanted to be hilarious. So when he made Lex Grossman, he's like, I want to dance. I want big hands. I want all this makeup. And they gave him that control. And he crushed it mm-hmm. with her in this. Uh, why? I don't <laughs> why? know why. And I guess Reitman was a little bit apprehensive, but then he just went with it. Because I guess Emma Thompson did the same thing in one of his other films. I guess Sean William Scott said he wanted to flesh out his character more. He didn't get a lot of chances there. I guess because of American Pie as Stifler, they, he, you know, oh, this guy's funny. He knows what he's doing. But we were talking about the opening scene with him lighting the house on fire with the sex doll. It didn't make sense. Well, I think Sean William Scott is good when it's the right role for him. Like mm-hmm. Stifler, Stifler wasn't a dummy. In this role, this is like Stifler if his IQ was like a, like 30 points lower. I know. He's just being talked down to the whole time. And <laughs> I'd be interested to see how many times Wayne took that firefighter's test. Yeah. yeah. And, like how many, and how many times he failed it to still keep working at that stupid country club pool. Yeah, because his character, they open it up with throwing the sex doll in this house to rescue it from burning on fire because... He was going to take this firefighter test the next day and he can't sleep because the meteor crashes and blows up his car and everything. So they cut to him at the test and he basically falls asleep. They wake him up. He climbs the ladder. He hits himself in the balls and then he fails. I don't know. To me, that just reeked of 2000s comedy where we don't know what to do. So we're just going to make fart jokes and ball sack jokes. And yep. Yeah. Even at the end, we see, we get the fart joke of the giant alien blob. like, come on, you're trying to make a, a serious comedy here and you have to resort to a fart joke? Mm-hmm. I, see, you, did you think this was going to be a serious comedy? I was hoping it was going to be a serious comedy in yeah. the vein of, like, Ghostbusters. But it wasn't. Immediately at the beginning of the film, it kind of just, it tells you exactly what kind of fil- film it's going to be yeah. comedically. Well, in With all the sex jokes, fart jokes. There's so many parallels to Ghostbusters that it's not even funny. Yeah. Like, the obvious one being having four characters in this group. You have military slash government oversight. That only seems to make things worse. <laughs> of course. Um, one of the characters is sex craze and or problematic through today's lens. Yeah. Yeah, Orlando Jones. Oh, God. I don't know if they made him ad lib 
throughout the entire film. I have no idea. Or if the editor just cut the other bits, or I don't know. If don't this know, movie were nothing... made today, he would be seriously no. problematic. Yeah, <laughs> because he talks, because he's a volleyball coach at a community college, and he talks about shower. He just off the cuff. Oh yeah, I shower with them sometimes. No big deal. Yeah, he's and he's talking with that student Nadine at the beginning of the film. I mean, he's clearly trying to get into her pants. You had it? You thought that? Yeah. I did not take yeah. it as that. I thought he, well, I didn't know his character at that point, but I thought legit he was trying to help. Well, him. it's another parallel to Ghostbusters because in the beginning scene, Venkman is doing the same thing with the student That's by right. shocking the male student into leaving so he gets alone time with the female student. <laughs> Yeah. And he's talking to a, a good-looking female student about extra credit, mm-hmm. quote-unquote. Yeah. After hours. Like, after yeah, hours. Yeah, he's trying to do something nefarious. God. Like, seriously, if this if this were done, like, in 2019, there'd be, a, like, a Sports Illustrated expose about this guy. It's over. Your license is gone. You're done. You're done for. And forgot about this. He's using his colleague's computer to look up porn. I know. I know. And they make jokes the whole time because they get, uh, they go back to the meteorite and the military's there. And then apparently the military's pulled all their files and he just says to them, all those women were over the age of 18. All of them. Were they? Were they? Exactly. I'm like, Were they, on, Harry? Man. Were they? You just can't. Just can't stop right there. I mean, I will say that a lot of the comedy does come from Orlando Jones. He tries. He tries. He tries. He makes his best effort. Well, it's so hard. It's With so David hard. With David Duchovny not doing anything except having one facial expression. David Duchovny is deadpan throughout the entire film, unless when it comes to scenes where he could, you know, nail <laughs> Julia, Julianne Moore. But it just didn't make sense because he was talking, when they're in the cave and Orlando Jones is talking about, like, humping her. And it's all on camera because, you know, they do one of those shots where they're talking about having sex with someone and then there's a camera on kind of like in, um, you know, like Get Smart when um, Steve Carell stands outside the bubble. and he's, Have you seen Get Smart? The yeah. Film? He's like, oh, my God. And everyone can hear him, but he thinks he's alone. Yeah. They pulled one of that in this. Julia Moore hears it. And that wasn't. That I funny. do like that. She threw that line back in his face when she had the chance to. Which one? Uh, the humorless ice queen. Oh, that. That actually was pretty good. Yeah. I like that line. Yeah, but just it's David Duchovny supplying the whole deadpan, like, even in the scenes where he's supposed to emote. I mean, I feel like David Duchovny is the actor embodiment of George Lucas. (laughs) Why? Throw this at me. I'm curious. What do you mean? You know, George Lucas's simple direction to every actor he's ever worked with is faster and more intense. Yeah. And I feel like David Duchovny should have worked with George Lucas at some point because I feel like he would have understood those directions. <laughs> he would have known exactly what you meant, Georgie. Yeah. He yeah, because he didn't. He's pulling off this mongoloid look where he's just, he doesn't emote. I don't know. His character is a terrible one too because he clearly doesn't do his job well enough. No, he's terrible at his job. They, they, well, the film poops on all education and military. But at the beginning, he gives back his class the grades, and he gives them all A's. Yeah, and even kids, they get C minuses for writing three sentences about salads. Yeah, he clearly graded those papers the night before over a six pack of beer. Yes, it was like it's too late. They're getting some A's, some A minuses, and couple B's in there, and then these two. Jamokes who only wrote half a paragraph, they're getting C minuses. Like that's a D minus paper. No, in every other. That's an F. Yeah, that's a that's an you, F. When you write cells and you think of your father's jail cells, no, 
No, that's impossible. You cannot attend class. No. I've been to college, damn it. <laughs> that would be no, that would be an F. The teacher would pull me aside and say, Mr. Culp, are you are you experiencing some trauma? Is there something going on at home? This this is this is no. No, 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 no. Well, I do like that another uh borrowed thing from Ghostbusters is the approach to science in the film. Whereas Ghostbusters was you know, takes the supernatural and tries to apply science at a basic level. This does mm-hmm. the same thing with evolution. Granted, this isn't exactly how evolution works in real world. Well, yeah, you don't get to where we are now in a matter of six weeks. I, I think it was half that in the movie. You think so? It was even less than that? Because they, when they get down there and they said it's like a rainforest after only three weeks. Oh, that's, yeah. That does not happen. That is not evolution. And what were we talking, like at the beginning when they get the cells and he's looking through the magnifying glass, immediately they just start splitting. They need some material to consume. They need something to metabolize on. Yeah. And for them to just multiply <laughs> infinitely <laughs> like that in a matter of seconds and break the um, the specimen pain. It doesn't work. That doesn't happen like that. No. They they definitely fast track the evolution without some, uh, with a lot of inaccurate, inaccuracy. Well, that is a working theory right now and producer jeremy brought this up that it is a working theory about how life could have potentially started on earth was the yes. meteorite crashing down and kind of kick-starting life that way yes that was the golden nugget of truth in this film <laughs> the one the one thing that we got the one golden ticket of it crashing but billions of years of evolution do not happen over the span of three weeks <laughs> no they just don't like no like animals will evolve based on like the region that they're based in. Like a bird's beak may grow harder and stronger or longer, so it can crack. Yeah, can crack open the shell of nuts, or yeah. it can adjust its body to withstand a tropical climate. Mm-hmm. Or an insect can evolve to camouflage to evade predators. Like evolution doesn't happen like this, where you have no. <laughs> where you go from flatworms to big, you know, creature eating trees. No, it doesn't. And then. Flying dragon dinosaurs that just die immediately. Because that was their thing. Once they had some O2, the animals would just die out. And I love the dragon one where they just walk outside the cave and it's just a bunch of dead animals everywhere. And the one dragon just coughs up a baby. And that's the one. Oh, well, now they can breathe air. I guess that's how it works. Yeah, which again. The next generation just doesn't have adapts. It. If it's a nitrogen, if it has to breathe nitrogen, like it's going to die. Like it takes a long time to evolve from like growing a new set of lungs that yes. allow you to go from nitrogen to oxygen. Do you know how long it took fish with gills to get up on land and develop? Like, come on, man. No. Yeah, billions and billions and billions, billions of years. Of it years. doesn't happen in three and a half weeks. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, but I guess, you know, for the sake of the film. I do have it, it. It's a very simple approach to yeah. a complex scientific thing. So I mean, they do get credit there, but there are ways that it can be done where it's executed well. Because we've seen films where it's a super simple concept, like Jurassic Park, super simple. But with this, I think where it would have been better is if they would have jumped into the future, two years, five years, you know, ten years, then you could see the evolution take place. So like if the instead of a film they did it in a television series yeah netflix if this was done on netflix in modern times i think it would be great or i was thinking if it was horror-esque or something they could have because the comedy just wasn't working for me on this well it started off originally as a serious horror sci-fi film didn't it yeah 
but then the actors and the director just wanted to change it because yeah, they figured I, it, it'd make more, I guess. I well, don't it's know. a similar situation to what we ran into when we saw Brightburn. Yeah. Like if it had leaned harder into the horror elements of the film, it would have been much better. And I feel this would have done the same. Like maybe with a different director and a, a hard shift in tone, I think this movie would have been would have been a bit better. Properly executed. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> there, there is a film in there, I think, that it could have been better. Yeah, like needs an overhaul. It needs a, it needs a frame off restoration is maybe, what it needs. Maybe some better actors and dialogue. Maybe everything. It's like your casting notes. Bring me people who can emote. <laughs> Anyone, even a no name, someone just pull them off of Broadway. Well, what did you think of the visual effects so, in this movie? I really enjoyed the practical effects. The visual effects seem a bit dated, except for the dragon flying around. I think they spent all their money on that dragon because it was great flying around the mall and everything. And then they actually had the practical effect when they shot it with the shotguns. It looked great, but everything else, like the flower that ate the bug. I mean, even the insects looked horrible. I do want to talk about that mall scene for a little bit, though. Yes, they can do that. So it sneaks into the mall and grabs that woman out of the dressing room and then it's just flying around, you know, cacawing. And then they give up chasing it after like 100 feet. <laughs> Yes. Like, because the, they just say, like, oh, we can't find it. Let's pack it in. Like, it's not a 10 mile long mall. Yeah. Like, you could find the bird if you gave some effort. Like, you're, you're <laughs> teachers, you're not slobs. Just go run and go after it. Right. And then Wayne is doing, is the only one who's actually doing something to lure the bird out. Caca. And to do comedy <laughs> jokes about shooting him. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, he's the only one who's trying. You gave up already. <laughs> that though that was the best for me scene yeah unless the, there was a sunroof yeah in that mall the bird wasn't going anywhere it wasn't and the bird changed sizes from fitting into a fitting room to flying around being huge oh those visual effects artists i do have a firearms gripe about it though when they use it. when they use shotgun shells yeah to shoot it i mean the shells at that distance wouldn't be that effective if they were using slugs yes would have been much more effective and the shells never ejected out of the barrel yeah they, <laughs> like they cocked it they did like the baddest and nothing happens see what i mean about ivan reitman just phoning it in for the entire movie totally some toxic fandom said the uh the little price tags on the guns kept changing throughout the film so like they'd have one take and it would be a big one with purple and then the next take it would be green and small i'm glad you brought up toxic fandom okay so this week in toxic fandom so the characters refer to the usg as as the united states geological society repeatedly mm -hmm. the real usgs is the united states geological survey referred <laughs> to as such less frequently in the movie's dialogue yeah they and they switching. use that like interchangeably yeah Throughout the entire film. Maybe because they wanted to give you the idea that Orlando Jones didn't know what the hell he was doing. He just found it off the internet, which he said he did. Well, he doesn't need to be a member of the USGS to accomplish that. No, he does not. Well, <laughs> but he just waved it as a badge. Well, plus, they have no real federal authority, and if a meteorite no. crashes anywhere in North America, they are not the first person no. the government calls. No, they're going to call NASA, the Air Force, someone Somebody from Area 51. It's like, hey, it came from space. Why don't we call people who actually deal with things from space? Yes, and they're not going to let police officers take pictures by the rock. Though, I actually did enjoy that moment. <laughs> Pretend like it's really heavy. 
Oh, it's hot. It's really hot. <laughs> I know. That was actually pretty funny. Yeah, those chodes would be holding a perimeter back like 500 yards and not yeah. knowing what's going on. Come on. There's more. Like, you try to get on a movie set and they have crazy security guards. You're telling me I could just stumble into a desert where a meteorite just fell and, oh, oh okay. Just take some pictures. Well, speaking of improbable things, though, what did you have for a lens flare? A lens flare was, for me, I think my lens flare was the depiction of education and military throughout the film. They just pooped all over community college, another film where they just, you know, throw educators in the trash, and then how the military and government would just totally irresponsible, wouldn't know what the hell they were doing. No. I think that's more of a filmmaking choice because we also found other toxic fandom things where the uniforms were wrong incorrect <laughs> yes yeah but come on the army like uniforms they put uh for the generals they it goes up on your shoulder kind of like shoulder pads yeah the, the star epaulets right spring, yeah and they had some of the uniforms right because for the greens like because it was back in the day they used to put the patches on the arms like on the shoulders but they just picked and choose i don't know what they did they just go into a army surplus store or something, and just said, sew these on. It's super easy. You just call the army, and we'll tell you how to do it. <laughs> super easy, man. Well, I had two lens flares. All right, what were your lens flares? I, the one was the overacting slash stunt casting of Dan Aykroyd as the governor. <laughs> stunt casting. I mean, I think Dan Aykroyd is great, but this really does feel like stunt casting on the part of Ivan Reitman. Well, who do you think would have been better as the governor? I think if Ted Levine and Dan Aykroyd switched roles for this movie, it would have. I think it would have gone better. Because mm -hmm. Aykroyd is capable of playing a villain. Watch Gross Point Blank if you are unconvinced. I don't um, think I've seen it. It's, a, it's an awesome movie. John Cusack and Aykroyd play opposing assassins. Well, John Cusack what? has to go back home for his high school reunion. What? Yeah. It's an off-the-wall dark comedy, but it, I enjoy okay. it. Um, okay. Maybe uh, even if Aykroyd stayed in the role as the governor, he could have done a bit better to tone it down a bit. Yeah, it felt like an SNL performance almost. Well, cause, like he was trying too hard. Because compared to how Duchovny is deadpanned, Orlando Jones is trying his hardest to be the comedy of this film, and Sean William Scott being well, Sean William Scott, for lack of a better word, Useless. It, just, it just stands out so much compared to the other performances in the film. Yeah, well, you know, because he is at Star Power, and he's an actual good actor. So <laughs> He I has mean, the chops. There, there is going to be a stark contrast. I mean, even Julianne Moore was incredible. She owned the stage whenever she was on it. Yeah. But Aykroyd, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't deal with Ted Levine. Every time he talked, I just thought of Buffalo Bill, man. Ted Levine was just such a jerk in this movie. He was, the whole like, time. Like, needlessly so, much a jerk. He was. You didn't need to have that. I've talked to generals. They aren't that mean. No. Maybe he's just upset that he's still the head of, like, U.S. Army research and wants to be, like, leading a division <laughs> in Afghanistan or something. What? I don't know. I'm assuming he has ambitions for his career in <laughs> he life. He has a career. Well, I don't even know how many stars he had. They just said general. Yeah. if he's a one star, then sure, I can see that. <laughs> Trying to move up the chain. Everyone's passing me over. <laughs> now put the lotion in the basket. Exactly. That's what I wanted him to say. It's a comedy film. Just throw it in. They didn't have any references. But I think that's probably because this film isn't modern type comedies. Because modern films, they would do references like that all day. But I have to say, my other lens flare, though, is when they're all in the restaurant there. Okay. And 
David Duchovny sees his ex-girlfriend, Sarah Silverman, oh, yes. wearing one of his shirts. And he has like this full-on breakdown of like, yeah. hey, I want my shirts back. Isn't it technically stealing when you leave someone's house with their shirt on? And she flips out yeah. and starts taking her shirt off <laughs> to give it back to him. It's like, dude, if you need new shirts that badly, just go to the store and buy new ones. Or assuming you have your ex-girlfriend's number somewhere, why don't you just call her? And politely figure out like a hostage exchange for your shirts or something. I know. Like be an adult about it. I mean, he said he only made 17 grand a year at community college. But yeah, Sarah, I just feel like they wanted to strip tease with Sarah Silverman or something. But that whole scene was so out of context. You see him finally act. It's like, oh, you have another emotion. And not really acting because he says all those lines about like, With isn't like a it smile. Techni technically stealing when someone walks out of your house wearing your clothing? Like he doesn't even do anything like that. And even when she's like taking her shirt off, he doesn't do anything. It's her, her new cop boyfriend that has to step in and save the day. Have you, did you watch X-Files? No. Okay. I was going to say, does he act better in X-Files? Have yeah. Okay. Uh, not by much. I mean, he. I know he did win a Golden Globe for the X-Files, but... Okay, well... I mean, they hand Golden Globes out like they're candy these days. <laughs> what? What do you mean? I feel like the <laughs> actors who are deserving of those awards rarely get them. Oh, man. Give me a hot take. Who's an actor <laughs> that's uh, well-deserving but didn't get one? Well, uh, Timothy Oliphant, when he was on Deadwood... No, I haven't seen Deadwood. Uh, was the wood dead? You always ask that. <laughs> or uh, Dominic West when he was as Jimmy uh, Jimmy McNulty on The Wire. Oh, okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I don't think Brian Cranston won a Golden Globe for Breaking Bad. No, he didn't? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. He did not win, no. Uh, oh. He was nominated a whole bunch of times. And, uh, <laughs> Jeremy's he did not win. giving you a face like WTF, man. What are you talking Jeremy about? Jeremy doesn't believe me. I'm pretty sure that's the case. He didn't win. <laughs> Hold on. Let me Google this because I really want to see this. If this is a... Uh... No, it says he's earned one. He's got to win. Oh, he's got to... My oh, mistake. Baby. He did win. But wait, was but it he for was this though? I don't know. It was for Breaking Bad, but he was also nominated for uh, Malcolm <laughs> in the Middle, Breaking... Breaking Bad way before this, also uh, <laughs> been nominated for Trumbo and all the way. Like, that's right. So yeah, Brian Cranston, great actor, won Golden Globe. Won <laughs> Golden Globe. Is that your gripe about the Golden Globes, Chris? Yeah, it's uh, my whole gripes about um, <laughs> like w acting awards in general as well. Where yeah, I just looked this up too. John Hamm, he has one more Golden Globe than Brian Cranston, <laughs> which which is a crime. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Mad Men, great show. Breaking Bad, great show. But Brian Cranston, better than John Hamm. Do you want to know who only has one Golden Globe award? No, but I bet you're going to tell me. William Shatner. <gasps> I know. That's one more than he should have. What are you talking about? Have you ever seen him in Boston Legal? That's what he wanted for? Yes, he wanted for being See, I feel like something businessman. Like, I feel like something like that is a career award, like uh, when they gave uh, John Wayne his Oscar for True Grit. Oh, you shut your mouth. Uh, no. What I are you going to say? Sean Connery's Untouchables was a career one as well? Yeah. Get out of here, man. It's true. What? Whatever. I hate to say it because I love just Sean Connery, but it's true. He probably wasn't going to do anything else Oscar worthy for the rest of his career, and the Academy was just like, here you go. You see it all the time. You shut your mouth. <laughs> Finding Forrester was a brilliant Alan film. Arkin just, Alan Arkin got it like 10 years ago. <laughs>
Max von, uh, who's it? Christopher Plummer got his over Max von Sydow. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> All right, mister. Who's your red shirt? <laughs> uh, my red shirt would have to be the bespectacled army officer who's thrown down into the cavern hole by the blue monkeys. Yeah. Was... And it's implied that they jump in after him and just pound him to death. You mean, yeah, the blue monkeys that were guys in costumes. Yeah. I like that a lot, actually. And he joins the legion of deaths in this movie that aren't gruesome. No, this film, they don't do anything about deaths. You'd think the deaths would be more dramatic, but no. At least we didn't get any like dead barnyard animals in a movie like this. No. Because that seems like it, like under an alien invasion like this, those are always like the first creatures to go is like the neighborhood dogs and the cats. They all start going missing. That was a gripe, though, that I saw online with someone. They said... It's surprising that the animals only attack the humans. There are only altercations between humans in this film, as opposed to you'd think like the dragons would fly out. And eat well, cows forget or that something. commenter because I don't want to see another movie where a dog gets killed. We do see the creatures eating each other, and for a second I was gonna redshirt, but it's That's Darwinism is what it is. It is. So I did not take that. As that, but he, the bespectacled man, would be mine as well. Well, that whole scene too, when the blue monkeys jump out of the hole. And then they're worried about clipping the governor. Like, these are trained military marksmen, and you're worried about accidentally shooting the governor? Like, come on. Like, would you rather have the headlines read, like, Army Saves Governor or Governor <laughs> Murdered While Army Watches? Like, <laughs> exactly. like, what newspaper headlines do you want, guys? I mean, come on. And, of course, Sean William Scott shoots the yeah, blue the monkey. the wannabe screwball firefighter <laughs> kills the blue monkey while the Army just stands there inadequately. That whole scene, too, I mean, they jump through... I mean, they know that the creatures are evolving down there, right? Yeah. They see the cameras. Yeah. And yet the only thing that's protecting them from the outside is essentially a tarp. That's it. You know what traumas lie down there, what horrors are in that cave. And it's not until after somebody is thrown down there and killed do they replace it with a steel covering. It's like, oh, we need to get serious about safety. Did you... um? You enjoyed the production design of the cave, right? I would say that's like one of the saving graces of this film for me. You see the transition of the cave. I do like how that uh, changed with each subsequent visit down there. Yeah. Like, because the first visit, it's all, you know, there's moss growing on it. The second visit, there's the flatworms and the, the mushroom looking things. And then it looks like the rainforest in the third Ooh. visit. Where it gets, <laughs> where they realize just how dangerous it's becoming. Yes, when the bug goes in Orlando. Is Jones it coming or going? God, that scene. That is when I said, screw this film. <laughs> that whole freaking scene. I said, I'm done. It's in me. Just cut out, cut him open and take it out. God, <laughs> this is the dumbest crap ever. That scene was funny when they were trying to get it out of him, though. No, all you had to do was just slice his leg and reach in and grab it. You didn't have to chop it off. And then it's just crawling up to his butt. Oh, there was just another reason for them to make a butt joke for me, and I, I couldn't, I wasn't having it. The, your butt jokes were too far for me, man. It's one butt joke too many. All right, settle down. I will not settle down about this. Right, and angry. It was, dude. It was at that part where I said, "This is becoming a fraudulent sound of thunder." That is when the, it began. Every like evolutionary like Terran, I was like, this is becoming a film that I do not like. <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks. Anything else <laughs> about this film? Mm, you know, I think that about covers it for today. So how about yeah. we discuss the legacy or 
uh, non-legacy non of evolution here. Well, it spawned an animated series for a year. Yeah, the, it was it was loosely based on the <laughs> show titled Alienators. Mm. Evolution Continues, which only ran for one year, which is shocking. So shocking. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, the film was not a great success. <laughs> only grossed uh, $98 million at the box office, so... It barely made up that huge $80 million budget. Such a big budget for this film. Which is it's, it's monstrous compared to other films we've reviewed. It's nuts. <laughs> Galaxy Quest looked better. Than yeah, Galaxy Quest was much better than this. Um, holds a 43% on Rotten Tomatoes, which seems a, a bit high. To yeah. be honest, I think they'd knock it down about 20 more points. Even Roger Ebert gave it a 2.5. I, I couldn't believe it. Roger Ebert? His what? reviews are infuriating. That's why I don't read them that often. I did find a review, actually, or a comment, and it did make me chuckle. So I have to read it because it's it's just horrible. We'll fire away. All right. So on letterbox.com, this person said, not even remotely redeeming aside from the fact that it reminded me of my boundless fascination with Julianne Moore. Like, she's hot, but then there's something about her that makes you think there's no way she could be hot. But then she's totally hot because that creamy skin and that delicious red hair. But then she has a bone structure that's either symmetrical, asymmetrical, or exotically alluring, depending on what angle you're looking at. Okay, okay, stop, stop, Dude, stop right this there. this is horrible. He calls her a marshmallow witch and a sexy ginger queen. He like, his whole thing is about Julianne Moore. And okay. then at the end says, this film doesn't have anything going for it except that Julianne. Okay, so was Ted Levine in character as Buffalo Bill <laughs> writing that review? I think so. It's horrible. That just reeks of serial killer talk I right know, there. I know. I read it. I'm like, who the frick would comment like this? But I guess, you know, the internet was a different place back in 01, 02, 03. Yeah, where people really let the freak flags fly. <laughs> so in another shocking turn, there were no nominations for any major <laughs> awards. No. So shocking. Oh, the most shocking. Wow. Wasn't there like two crappy awards that this thing was nominated you know, I for? I didn't even bother to research that far because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it's not on the Wikipedia page or if it's not immediately shown in Google, like it, they, it, it's more than likely it did not win a thing. Well, it's not like you could find out a lot about it, this film. Yeah. It was all tightly under wrap. So, so. <laughs> with all of that in mind, Sean, what rating do you give to 2001's evolution on our scale of would not watch, would watch, would own, and would host a viewing party. Would not watch. Mm. I never want to watch this again. So do you give this our normal, like our special rating that we say for the truly atrocious movies? Yes, I'm going to light it on fire. I will break this <laughs> in Walmart. Would erase from your memory if and I destroy see, subsequent yes, copies. Yes, if I, I would punch the Netflix. Like if I see a red box machine, I'll shake it. Someone at Walmart holds this in their hand, a child, I will slap it out of its hand and say, no, bad child. Watch <laughs> Annihilation. You know, I wouldn't go so far as you. I would just call this a straight would not watch. Okay. Like, and if I'm going to watch a movie like this that's directed by Ivan Reitman and has Dan Aykroyd, I'll just watch Ghostbusters. Yeah. 
this film made me think he's a hack. Yeah. Evolution, this movie just lacks any real emotional substance. Yeah. And all the comedy that they try to put in it doesn't make up for it. No. <laughs> it's horribly, it's it's misplaced and awkward. The characters are, it seems like they go out of their way not to be likable. And some are even problematic through today's lens. Oh, yeah. Not some. They they just are problematic. They are. You cannot watch this film in modern times and feel kind of offended. Yeah. The production design outshines the visual effects in many scenes throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for us and what we discuss on the show, the science is bunk. Yeah. It doesn't work like this. Yeah. <laughs> it's bunk. Yeah. I like that. Bunk. I've never heard that. Now you have. <laughs> Chris's word of the week. So I hope Hollywood considers a remake of this film or even adapting it into a television series. All right, yeah. Don't remake this film. Well, if you do remake it, go lean hard into those horror elements yeah. and make it what it was originally intended to be. Yeah, I'll buy that. But yeah, please don't remake it. <laughs> Put it on Netflix. So, Sean, what do you say we pick our movie for next time, shall we? Oh, yeah. It's time. So, from our list of 118 films, we enlist the help of our friendly random number generator AI, Major Samantha. And from our lovely list of 118 films, she has selected number 38, (laughs) which is the Michael Crichton-directed and precursor of the HBO show and starring Yul Brenner. It is Westworld. Westworld. Yes. I have actually never seen this before. Be looking forward to watching this one. Have you seen the show? Love the first season. Okay. Have not watched any anything else. Although I am going to be pumped for the third season because Aaron Paul's in it. But you didn't watch the second season. I didn't watch the second season. I'm going to catch up because oh, okay. season three comes <laughs> season three comes out next summer, so I have time to watch. Oh, okay. Well, sweet. Yeah. Westworld, baby. Let's so do that'll it. be our movie for next time. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a five star review. It helps drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show. We are across the spectrum of social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Forcefed Sci-Fi. You can check out and download episodes at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you find podcasts. And please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And finally, you can check out our website, ForcefedSciFi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. So for all of us at the Force-Fed Sci-Fi team, we will see you next time. Force-Fed Sci-Fi is written and hosted by Sean Culp and Chris Rupp. Website design, associate producer, and editing by Jeremy Kesky. Artwork designed by Mike Berger. Theme music composed and performed by Custom Anthem.